Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mom, I Got This. You're listening to M. Hey, everybody. This is Iz. Welcome back. We're so excited for this week. We talked to Roz Cyrus. She was amazing. She's a computer science lecturer at Stanford and also a senior product designer at Datadog. Um, M, what did you think of the conversation? This was a really special conversation for me. Roz was actually one of my CS instructors last year. So it was really fun to see the behind the scenes and <laughs> yeah. hear all about the years where she was still trying to figure it all out, messing up a little bit, switching her major mm-hmm. a few times. Um, it was cool to see that. And then to also see how she forged this amazing career for herself, combining creativity with computer science and definitely made her own way in the world. Mm-hmm. And, combined a bunch of different skills that not that many people can do Mm -hmm. and then did them all at once yeah yeah seriously I think that was my favorite part it was really interesting to see how she had such a wide variety of interests and then pulled them all together in this really incredible path um anyway so we can't wait for you guys here let's get into it I'm so excited for this Mom. 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 I got this. <laughs> so where did you grow up? Tell us about it. Yeah, so I was born and raised in the States. Um, my dad and mom met at Cornell, where I went for undergrad. And so they stayed in the States after that. And so ever since we were, my brother and I were babies, they would literally ship us off <laughs> to Jamaica for the summer every single summer. So I would come and stay with my grandparents. And so we had family here. Um, We still have family here, but not as much as back then. Um, And, you know, just made friends over the years. So I've always come back ever since I was a kid. So since you have this beautiful new daughter, have you found yourself reflecting on your own childhood, thinking and choosing some of your favorite parts that you want to instill in her childhood? I love that question. Wow. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think once I became a mom, one, it made me appreciate my own mom, my parents in general. There is so much that our parents do for us. I think one of the things that it made me think about in appreciating my parents and my mom in particular is, you know, looking at all the things that she did for me growing up that I thought was corny at the time. But now I'm like, that was just so thoughtful. You know, for example, my mom traveled a lot and that's probably where I get the travel book from because I Mm -hmm. love to travel. And anytime she went on a business trip, she would bring back a doll for me from that country. And so I've saved all of those as well from all over the world. They're so different and diverse. And, you know, being um, a Black woman, it was important for her to have me see dolls that look like me you know, because she was one of the countries that typically had people of color. So I thought that was just really brilliant. And I didn't appreciate it until I was an adult. And I appreciate, appreciate it even more now that I'm a mom. But that's something I think I want to carry on with Riesa anytime I go somewhere, get her a doll from that from that country. Oh, and then you'll have this like double generational collection of dolls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious a little bit more. So you started out in um, New Jersey when you were like you were born there. What was that like when you moved to Florida? It was a big moment. Um, It was hard because I made friends. The thing that was challenging for me, though, and I'm going to divulge something to you guys. When I was in New Jersey, I think around age seven, I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. 
So basically that means, you know, and it, it varies from person to person, but you um, present tics and the tics, you know, for me was um, screaming, cursing sometimes, um, jumping up and down and it's involuntary. Like your body just, your mind makes you want to do these certain behaviors and it's very hard to control. And as a child, you can imagine how, how scary that can be. So when I was moving to Florida, I had to go to a very private school because my parents wanted to make sure I was in an environment where I was, you know, not bullied or made fun of. Um, it was a small enough environment where I had a caring group of other students and teachers. Um, so that's one of the, the first memories I have of being in Florida, just being at that new school and adapting pretty well. Um, and at that point, I was on medication, which helped a lot. But like that transition from New Jersey to Florida coincided with me being diagnosed. So it's one of the memories that I have. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being so open to share that with us. It sounds like a very challenging thing to like piece into a nine-year-old's brain, just like figuring out mm -hmm. what that even means and then and learning how to deal with it and feeling the pressure of like, if I don't learn how to deal with this, what's going to happen? Well, um, and on top of that, I'm, like having your whole world change because you're moving right. like from like the Northeast, which is entirely different from Southeast. That must've been like so shocking as a as a young kid yeah it was a lot but it, it all worked out <laughs> yeah no I'm glad it did what what were the next steps like so that was the move and you're experiencing all of this and you're figuring out how to work through it you mentioned going to a smaller private school what was high school like yeah I think so moving into high school and another thing I'll mention that was a memory from New Jersey that stayed with me throughout high school big time my dad gave me a notebook. Um, it was a classic design notebook back in the days. Basically it's black, it's small, and it has red corners. And I wrote my very first poem in that notebook. And it was funny because, you know, I got packed up when we moved to Florida and I didn't find it until maybe a couple years after. I still have that notebook. Um, ended up being two that he gave me that I filled up. And in high school, is when I really filled up the notebook. But if you flip through it, you can see like, it must've been six or seven when I got it, six-year-old me's poems. And then on the next page, you know, like 15-year-old me's poems, <laughs> all in the same book. That's awesome. Yeah. And then for me, high school, I was not a social butterfly. I was very awkward. <laughs> you know, um, my hair always looks crazy. Um, <laughs> I was skinny and big headed, braces. And at the time, I wanted to be an inventor. Um, I love it. <laughs> you know, it sounds just like ridiculous. But no, I had another notebook, funny enough, <laughs> of all these ideas. And it's funny because I just thought about this a couple of weeks ago. There are some things I came up with as a kid that exist now. These are big thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like 10 year old Roz coming up with these inventions, right? And I drew it out and everything and I labeled the parts. Yeah, so that was me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't That's know awesome. where it is. And then, so that was like, you know, a three or four year phase. And then another phase, I wanted to be a doctor. But mm -hmm. yeah, I was all over the place, like any child, you know, with big, crazy dreams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you were sure you were going to go to college, but you had all of these interests in high school, you know, doctor, <laughs> artist, inventor, all of these things. <laughs> Once you got into college and that was settled, um, tell us about 
actually getting there and having the scary thing of deciding on a major and studying something for four years and settling down in in a way. What was that like? Yeah, I'll tell you, even when I was applying, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so my mom told me, oh, well, you know, you should do engineering. Engineering is a very big career. You know, there's not a lot of Black people or Black women in that field who can make good money. So she strongly encouraged me (laughs) to do engineering, not only engineering, chemical engineering, because she knew I, you know, I loved chemistry in high school. Let me tell you something, chemistry and chemical engineering, it turns out (laughs) two very different things. (laughs) So here I am freshman year in Ithaca, New York, like ridiculously cold, depressing, beautiful, but depressing if ever that combination existed is Ithaca, New York, like, (laughs) you know, and I'm there, I'm by myself and I'm doing chemical engineering and I absolutely hated it. Like I, I was not about that life. I didn't like it at all. And at the same time, I'm going through growing pains. Like I had all of my firsts in my freshman year, you know, my first love, first heartbreak, like all those things in between. And it was just That's like a full-time course at the same, like at the same time. It really is. So it was just a lot. And, you know, I think it wasn't until end of my freshman year that I really had to ask the question, like, what am I doing? This, This career, this is not for me. And so there was a hard conversation I had with my mom and I struggled, you know, my freshman year and part of my sophomore year, I struggled a lot. And at that point she was trying to figure out how her straight A student went to a not straight A student, to put it nicely, in college. (laughs) Um, And I told her, you know, I'm just losing motivation. This is not for me. And around that time, funny enough, I took a computer science course. But because I was so emotionally a mess and I was not focused, I bombed that course. It was a Java course. And I was like, what is this nonsense? Like they're trying to have you program something. <laughs> like it just did not click for me at the time. Go figure, you see where that's going. But um, I eventually said, you know what? I need to just find something that I like and stick with that. So going back to my love for writing, I said, you know what? Let me just do English. You know, I love reading. I love books. I love literature. I love writing. This, this can work for me. And so that's when I ended up on the journalism track. But before I started on English, I switched to math. Wow. <laughs> so I oh went my from gosh. chemical engineering. You were busy. Yes, I was busy. <laughs> I went to math because I love math. But then I, it hit me. It hit me one day. Like, well, what am I going to do with a math degree? Like, that's not stimulating at all. So I switched <laughs> to English. Sorry, all math majors listening. <laughs> no. It wasn't stimulating for me. Hey, right. To be clear. <laughs> But yeah, and then with English, I started taking some courses in Africana studies um, and fell in love with that. And so, you know, then my goal became, okay, I'm going to become a journalist. I'm going to work for a magazine or a newspaper that focuses on, you know, Black things, you know, the diaspora of Black people. So that was my path. I think one of the fears I had was how, how will my parents react if I tell them this engineering thing is not for me? Um, but not only the fear of them reacting to that, but the fear of not even knowing how to answer the next obvious question they would ask, okay, so what do you want to do, right? Because it's one thing to know what you don't want to do, but then to still be in that limbo Mm -hmm. of, okay, so what's next is hard and scary. And then along came junior year. And um, that's when I started the same website that you guys have seen, Mm wasmichelle.com. I think it was my junior or maybe sophomore year. I started my .com because I wanted a place to publish my, my writing. So, you know, eventually I could start looking for jobs and that would be my portfolio. 
And then it occurred to me, I need to make this look beautiful. And then that's when my art skills came back into play because I was always drawing and painting as a kid. Um, and that is when a light bulb, another light bulb went off and I'm like, okay, I need to be a designer. Like maybe this writing thing isn't the way to go. And so I didn't switch majors this time. I stuck with English and Africana studies. <laughs> but by the end of my senior year, when I was ready to graduate, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was going to be a designer. <laughs> so did you have internships in college and how did you think through those at the time? And do you have advice or thoughts on like maybe some na naive parts of your mindset back then? Yeah, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself right now. I, I had one internship. It was at the tail end when I figured out, okay, design is my thing. And I cold called a design agency in my neighborhood. Um, they were in downtown Fort Lauderdale. They were a big deal at the time, like winning all kinds of awards, big deal. And I just called them up out of the blue. And the guy picked up the phone and I just said, hey, you know, I'm just wondering if you have any internships available. I'm a, I'm a designer or I'm trying to be, can you help me? And it turns out the person who answered the phone on that one day was the, the CEO of the company who never answers <laughs> the phone. And I just looked out. The and he odds. Was just, <laughs> the odds. And he was just so blown away by like the fact that I just called out of the blue. Anyway, I got the internship. They brought me back a second time. So it must have been junior to senior year that I did it the first time, I think. Okay. And that was amazing. That was my first real taste of what design life is like. It was hectic and exciting every single day. Was that really intimidating to be like, oh my gosh, I have a degree in English and Africana studies and I want to do design? Or are you like, this is going to be such a cool lens into that space? You know, I think for me, because I went through such a rough first two and a half years in undergrad, by the time I figured out what I liked and what my major was going to be in, my only focus <laughs> was graduating. So I graduated and I moved back home with my parents in Florida. And yeah, that one internship gave me my first, <laughs> they gave me my first job offer out of college, but I ended up having a better offer. And so I took that one instead but it didn't work out. And I'll tell you, I'm telling you guys another secret that I've never said like to more than like three people. <laughs> I got fired from that job because I got caught freelancing <laughs> on the job. Oh my God. Yes, but yeah, although it sucked that I got fired, it was eye-opening. It made me realize I need to be in roles that constantly push me to be better, that constantly challenge mm -hmm. me. Otherwise I'm, I'm not gonna be happy. And so I started freelancing and you know, it was, it was liberating, but challenging because as a freelancer, you're responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your own time and your own ability to make money. And so, you know, I was going a very old school route. I was on Craigslist looking for opportunities and, you know, it didn't pay a whole lot, but I, I got a consistent amount of work. I was doing anything from a logo design to business card and brochures to website design. And so I did that for almost three years, actually. Like I had my own brand, my own, I registered the business and it wasn't making wow. a whole lot of money, but it established my, in myself this identity of a designer. And of course I'm living at home. So I was what, 21 when I graduated and a day came around 2009, 2010, where my mom was like, so you're going to start paying rent? <laughs> and that was her slick way of saying, you think you're cute with this little freelance thing, but you're not making enough to survive in the real world. So what are you gonna do about it? And girls, when I tell you, when she sat me down and gave me that talk, I realized, you know what? 
I need a career. I need like a, an actual nine to five because this freelance thing, I think I got complacent. You know, I made just enough to, you know, save my pennies and go shopping or travel, whatever it was I was interested at the time. But because I was living at home comfortable, I didn't know what it was like to, you know, pay rent, to have a light bill, to have a water bill, any of that. And so that was a wake up call, you know, in terms of what it means to actually make money to survive. So she started charging me rent and I got my first career job as a designer. <laughs> just like a little push. Right, just a little push. That's my mom all day, every day. But she's very effective. <laughs> so that's what ended up happening. And that's how I got into my actual career as a designer. Were you nervous because you had just been in so much control of what your days would look like and what your life could look like? Or are you kind of excited for this new step? I wasn't nervous at all, actually. I was, yeah, I was very, I was all about it. I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it was an opportunity to meet new people. It was stability, which I think was the thing that attracted Huge. me to it the most. Like, okay, let me show up at this time and leave at that time <laughs> every day for five days a week and get my paycheck. Like it was, it was awesome <laughs> coming from a freelance perspective. Um, I mean, I did learn that, and this is something I've dealt with my entire career. I'm not good for every manager. Put another way, not every manager is good for me. Um, Because I started off freelancing, I learned very quickly, I like to be my own boss. So I need managers that don't micromanage and give me the space, especially as a creative person, to do what it is I want to do and to, you know, solve problems in my way at my own pace. So that's been very important for me in my career. And for the most part, I've gotten that. Not all the time, but for the most part. But yeah, that first job was was awesome. I had the coolest team ever. It's one of my favorite teams that I've ever worked with in my career. So it was just a great first opportunity. I think had it not been as good, it would have changed my perspective on industry big time. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, (laughs) it sounds like at this point, like bringing us, we've jumped around a little bit, but we went from like college, not knowing what your major is going to be, switching to another major. Then even after switching, you're like, wait, no, I want a different career. I'm going to be a designer. And you have this internship experience and then you get fired and then you freelance and then you have a your first career job. You've already taken us on a journey. I could see that going into this like amazing design career and launching off from there. But (laughs) there's another surprise and you alluded to this earlier. Um, You decided to pursue a master's degree in computer (laughs) science somewhere down the path after that first real design job, after just telling us how much you love design so much so that you're willing to like (laughs) risk getting fired to do what you love. So you mentioned your love of learning earlier on, but still like, Knowing those two things, fill in the gaps for us as to how you got to the CS degree from yes. design. Yeah, because, okay, so the last 10 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, when was it that I realized I wanted to get into development? I think it, honestly, it probably started when I started my .com in college because that was the first time I purchased a domain, mm-hmm. built it from scratch. You know, at that time I was using Notepad um, to write code and I would save it and upload it and then say, Oh crap, there's a mistake. And then edit notepad, do the the whole thing. Like it was very, you know, iterative. This was before, you know, Dreamweaver and, you know, today visual studio or sublime before we had editors like that. And so I think my love for it really started then, but I remember one day, and I think it was around 2011, I was on a website. It must've been like, I don't know, Yahoo or something, whatever was big at the time. (laughs) And (laughs) 
I was wondering how they knew what the date was. Like it said the date and it said, welcome Rosalind. And I remember thinking, well, how come every time I refresh, like, how does it know that that's the date if HTML is supposed to be this static content, right? It's the most basic of questions now because we, we get dynamic content. But at the time, I didn't understand the, the nature of dynamic content and that you could have a backend that knows things about you and stores them in a database and then can render data dynamically if you refresh the page. And so that got me on a path of researching dynamic content. And then I taught myself PHP because I was that blown away by the fact that you could do stuff like this. And that was really wow. when it kicked off my interest in, in development. Um, Cause at the time I was really doing a lot of front end stuff for my.com that kicked off my interest in backend development. And then it grew slowly um, over the next few years. It wasn't until 2013 or 2014, I had a roommate who told me about a graduate certificate at Stanford um, called Foundations of Computer Science. And he was taking a course and asked me, you know, if I wanted to participate because he knows I like that stuff. And I said, sure, why not? So I signed up and that changed my life. I loved it so much. And I thought the quality of instruction was so stellar that I, I couldn't believe I didn't know about it before. And it opened up my eyes to a whole new world of development that I did not know existed. You know, it was just five courses. I had no plans of going for the masters, but one of my instructors at the time um, said, Roz, you, you need to be applying for the masters. Like, what are you doing? This five course thing is not for you. Um, <laughs> so I applied and I got in and yeah, the rest, you know, the next few years, cause I did it part-time. It took probably four or five years start to finish cause I didn't want to give up my salary. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was amazing. And then of course, as you know, that turned into teaching. That's how I met you, Emily which yeah. is a whole other story, but <laughs> yeah. So what was your mom thinking about all of this? We, we, hmm. we know a lot about your mom at this point. <laughs> right? What was that conversation? You know, she, I think because at that point I was established, I had my career, I was stable, I was making good money. You know, um, she said, if you want to pick up something else on the side that stimulates you and makes you happy, she, she was all for it. She supported it. She didn't understand it, but <laughs> she supported it. And then it's so funny when I applied for the masters, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell my parents because I wasn't, I didn't actually think I would get in. I was going through imposter syndrome like my entire time at Stanford. Um, and, you know, just being someone in my late twenties and not seeing a lot of people that look like me in the program. And yeah, just wondering, can I keep up with these 18, 19 year old brilliant whiz kids? Um, <laughs> so I dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome and I applied and then I got in and it wasn't until I got in that I told my parents, by the way, <laughs> I accepted into the master's program at Stanford. Um, like, they casually like, like, so. You're so at the dinner today. table. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, that's how that happened. I also <laughs> love, I love how you went from um, your, the notebook that your dad gave you to like notepad on the computer. I love that transition. I think it's so fun. So what was it like then? Like this burst of joy when you get in and you want to wear your sweater everywhere. Like I relate to that, but what was your personal life like at the time balancing this as a 20 something is a lot different, like a <laughs> a 21 year old and a 27 year old are in very different places yeah. in their life. What, um, what was that like? Um, non-existent for the most part. <laughs> um, I remember not having a whole lot of time for anything to tell you the truth. 
when I was in Cali, I was pretty much a homebody. Um, I don't know if it's just by nature of getting older, but if I wasn't traveling, I was just hanging out at home with my dog, like watching Netflix. <laughs> um, so it was easy for me to just do school because I didn't really have much of a social life. Like I had my girlfriends I'd go out with every now and then. Um, but by the time I really buckled down in the master's program, I knew my schedule. I was working full time, like a crazy person. Like I would not, I, I don't know if I'd do that again. Not a good idea, friends. Um, <laughs> just a word of advice. It is not easy, but I did it. Uh, but it came with sacrifices. My dating life sucks. <laughs> um, I canceled on so many dates. It's ridiculous. Cause at that time I was doing dating apps. The amount of dudes I canceled on for first dates was just probably record setting. <laughs> um, <laughs> time. I didn't have time. You gotta do what like, you gotta do. Exactly. It's like, am I really, am I gonna try and start something? No. I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so it, yeah, it didn't really bother me though, because I was a homebody anyway. Um, and I just buried myself into school and, and work and it just worked for me. <laughs> so then how did you end up now where you are teaching at Stanford? Oh, I guess because the pandemic, you could be in Florida, right? While right. teaching? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's how it worked so, out. And, and was that your first year at Stanford, like teaching-wise? That was my second. So the way it worked out, um, my first quarter as a, an official master's student, I took CS110. And it was brutal. So when I took that course, I had just switched jobs. So it was just overwhelming and stressful. I fell behind very quickly in 110 and got to know Jerry very well. Like I was in his office hours all the time, near tears, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then it wasn't until like week three where I just buckled down, got acclimated at work, made extra time to focus on 110. And then it just, it clicked. And I ended up loving that particular material, like topic we were focusing on that weekend 110 so much that I wrote a blog post about it, like a really long, well-diagrammed, <laughs> thorough blog post. Probably the equivalent of like 15 pages if you print it out, it's ridiculous. Oh. And it got to my TA, which then got to Jerry, the instructor. And Jerry wrote me like, um, excuse me, miss, you need to be teaching this class. <laughs> that is literally how it happened. Um, he already knew that I had a knack for design, just being in design, but he was so blown away with the level to which I explained the content, but then also backed it up with diagrams to help you visualize this really dense, ridiculous, like systems programming material. And so he said it half jokingly, but he actually followed up. Like he asked me to TA the following quarter, but because I was a part-time student, I wasn't allowed to TA. So what I did was I unofficially TA, like I just helped out on the forum board for fun who does that um but I did that <laughs> and then Jerry's like you know what that was the year I was about to graduate um eventually like a year had passed I was about to graduate and he asked me if I wanted to teach it that summer after graduating and I said yes please so that is how I got into teaching um and then I ended up moving back to Florida later that year so I, it was really just a one-time experience I didn't actually think I'd get a chance to do it again but then COVID happens and Jerry reached out to me a year ago and said, like way in advance, he's like, hey, do you wanna teach with me next spring quarter? Um, and I'm like, I'm pregnant right now, but I think I'll be able to do that. <laughs> and so, you know, fast forward to this year, um, I got to teach it. I got to co-teach it with Jerry and that's how I met Emily in that quarter. Wow. And 
I think it's so important to note that you were one of my first CS instructors that thought of design as part of instruction, (laughs) even though like the two fields are so tied together, basically everywhere else where they interact, they intertwine, right? Um, And I think that is what people talk about when they say interdisciplinary and it's so cool to to see that pan out. I love how like every major transition that you've had, you do it in doubles. You're like, oh yeah, let me just teach a class while I'm also trying to raise a newborn baby or let me start a new job also when I'm doing the hardest CS class I could probably do. <laughs> I'm so in so shock. What's so accurate is you see right through me that is so me. If you were to ask if you were to say that in front of my husband right now he'd be laughing and crying at the same time because that is so true. I have a knack for just like setting myself up to fail like on the brick of failure doing something that really I should not be successful at taking on way too much, but somehow just getting by, like just surviving it. I do it to myself all the time. I don't know why. I'm sure if I met with like a psychologist, they could explain why I am that way. We won't go there. We won't go there. (laughs) But yes, keen observation. It is for such an amazing journey. I really like it's so inspiring. I just, I want to add something to that. I love that. But, um, On a personal note as well, what would be advice for your younger self? Yeah, and if I could just say one one thing, you know, that I think I've learned from everything. Well, one, for me, I think, you know, the hardest part of your journey is figuring out not simply what you want to do. You know, that's the surface question. I think the deeper question is what's going to make you happy? What's going to satisfy you and motivate you and inspire you? That's the harder question. Um, And I think for me, just being a kind of person who's interested in so many things, clearly, um, what ultimately makes me happy and where I am in my career now as a designer who develops on the side and teaches on the side is like combining my three favorite things. You know, I love to communicate with people, whether through words or diagrams. I love to create art and I love picking things apart and problem solving. And that, you know, that is surfaced in my teaching in terms of communicating and, you know, me being a designer, um, me, you know, getting this master's degree, I think you just have to figure out what makes you happy. We want to thank you, our listeners, for, well, listening. You're always welcome to pull up a chair with us on Mom, I Got This. Another huge thank you to Liv Jenks the amazing marketing team at Stanford Women in Design, and, of course, Roz Cyrus for sharing her time and her story with all of us. See you next week.